0: Day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always
1: by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, Before time ends in this period, I just want to throw something up. I want to throw throw something that and get something out of here. It's a great freaking day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan.
0: Indeed, it is. The Bearcats are coming off of a resounding victory against SMU. 42-13, Hummer. I'll repeat. Mm. 42-13 SmackDown at SMU. The Bearcats have officially entered the playoff conversation.
1: It's interesting you say that we've entered the playoff conversation because what is today's date?
0: Hummer, it's October 25th. The game was played on the 24th of October. I don't remember a time in history when the Bearcats are being considered for the college football playoff in October.
1: I'm trying to think back and, you know, some people will probably definitely be able to, to correct me on my history here, but I don't even remember back in the 08, you know, 2009 being in the conversation for BCS bowl games this early in the season.
0: No, they haven't. There has never been a season, at least in recent history, modern Bearcat football history, where we came into a season with these types of expectations, where we're ranked preseason. And obviously, there's some circumstances that play into this in terms of the staggered starts of football seasons with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. But there's a lot of football left to be played. I think it matters. And I think it's an incredible accomplishment for Luke Fickle and his staff To have the Bearcats at this type of level this early in the college football season, obviously lots can happen. It's more important to be in the playoff conversation at the end of the season. But being here now establishes the Bearcats of one of the dominant football programs in the country. And that's a testament to Luke Fickle, Marcus Freeman, and that entire football staff. It's absolutely incredible.
1: It it, it really puts the ball... In, in our court, it's really kind of, we need to just take care of business. We need to go out and win winning, and, and run the table on our schedule. And, and as fans, I think that's kind of where the expectations are now moving to now that we see what this team is capable of. And what's even, you know, in my mind, it's so important to be in this conversation for the playoffs now. Because it's going to get real ugly here soon when we get down to the last few weeks of the seasons. And we are comparing schedules of OSU, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oklahoma State. You know, we're these teams that we're, were, you said this earlier when we were talking, we're fighting for one spot. Let's face it. We're not fighting for the first, second, or third spot in the playoffs. We're fighting for the last spot. Clemson, Alabama, more than likely OSU getting, getting those three type, those three top spots. So we're literally looking at fighting someone like a Notre Dame, uh, potentially Georgia, Oklahoma. And if, and that's what's crazy with the conference that we have and the schedule that we have remaining, it's tough. And we have, we actually have a, in my opinion, a very tough schedule coming up. We're going to be playing Memphis. We're going to be playing Tulsa. We're going to be playing Houston. Uh, you know we got a lot of, a lot of stiff competition i think that also speaks volumes to the conference as a whole that it's no longer i don't want to say it's no longer but it's it's not a it's not a terrible conference it, it, the american athletic we used to look at it as this oh my god this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to us we playing in this conference where all of a sudden, you know, with you when you have teams that the amount of teams that are just on the periphery of being top twenty-five, you know, almost half the league is now somewhere in the top forty. If you're taking account into the votes that that you're seeing teams receive, so over half the conferences is in that top forty, uh, and so our conference this isn't it not top loaded. It's not like we have three teams that are quote unquote good or elite, and the rest are just cupcakes. You're going to have tough games being played week in and week out. And with us being this early in the game, talked about in that uh, playoff consideration, we're going to get eyeballs watching our games. The people who are needing to watch the games are going to be watching Cincinnati play. They're going to be looking and saying and, and meriting us. And it's going to be nice to know that they're not just going to watch us steamroll East Carolina, steamroll Tulane. You know, they're going to be seeing us playing some stiff competition, some really good teams. And that is, in my mind, incredibly exciting.
0: It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for the Bearcats. There's plenty of games left for them to continue making their mark on the college football landscape. This this game against SMU turned heads, and it's not just because of who we beat. SMU is clearly, they're ranked right now in the top 25. They went into this game at number 16, and it's it's not just beating SMU on their home field with fans in the stands. You know, this isn't an empty, quiet stadium. There's 8,000 people at this game. It's It's how emphatically... The Bearcats did it. It's holding a team that's one of the best offenses in the country. Shane Bouchelle's throwing the ball all over the field. Nobody's figuring out a way to stop them. Bearcats hold them to 13 points. Truly dominant performance. You also mentioned the fact that we're, we're competing for that, that fourth spot in the playoff and the fact that you know, there's other, there are other programs like Notre Dame, there's the Georges. I think it's important to mention, too, that sometimes when you have these group of five teams get off to a hot start, they're kind of considered, they're considered a nice story, but are they a real contender? You know, uh, Keith Jenkins of the Enquirer just wrote a great article about UC stamping itself as the best group of five team in the country. That's great. You know, we've been that before. I think what's more important and what needs to be you know more heavily emphasized is that when you look at people like Bill Connolly releasing SP plus rankings, showing the Bearcats as having one of the best defenses in the country. You know, a secondary that that stacks up against anyone, those types of rankings and those types of recognitions matter a lot because we're not just stacking ourselves up against not against a group of five teams, we're stacking ourselves up against the premier teams in the country and we're grading out well. Bill Connolly's rankings going into this game had the Bearcats as the second best team in the country to date. This team's for real. And they're not just for real against the American athletic competition. They're for real against college football. They're ranked seventh in the country. Now this team has a chance to have a historically great season in terms of Cincinnati football. Absolutely incredible. Again, huge Testament to Luke Fickle and his staff. I'm ready to get into the game and talk about what we saw
1: on Saturday. How about you? Yep. First thing I saw, and this was a stat, I think it was posted on ESPN. I don't know. I don't know those guys over there. I don't know how trustworthy they are. How, is their information good or is it is it fake news? Uh, but they, they, they pointed out that this was the largest margin of victory that the Bearcats have ever had over a ranked opponent. Uh, so, yeah, a very exciting game. We talked about it um, last week on our preview episode about this being a very important matchup. A very exciting matchup that we're looking forward to this is probably in my mind one of the top four games probably played this season uh, in all of college football in terms of its importance pitting two, you know what could be the one loss mustangs against the the four and oh now bearcats Uh, and so the first thing we're pointing out is desmond ritter came to play completely different Desmond Ritter than what we've seen in the past uh, these past these first three games
0: that's a that's it's the first thing we should talk about Desmond earned that the first thing we should talk about is his play on the field against SMU he's obviously had up and down play to start the season many were questioning his even place as the starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bearcats I'm proud to say that is not something that was being questioned here at Cincy Slangen. Uh, but it you can't doubt And you cannot deny the fact that Desmond had a slow start to the season, slow start to the season. And a lot of that was driven by turnover problems. And he's a quarterback with experience at this point. And one of his, his biggest assets is someone who takes care of the ball, doesn't have turnover problems. And that was something that was going against him so far in three games. He had thrown three interceptions. Decision-making was questionable. Accuracy was questionable and uh, going into the game, it was going to be big to see. Hey, how how did the 21 day layoff affect Desmond? Well, it was a fantastic break for him. Apparently, I thought it was. You could chalk up a lot of it to the playmaking ability of Desmond using his feet. Obviously, he had incredible success on on the ground in this game. But it's also it the the, the coaching staff went back to the drawing board in figuring out how are we going to accentuate the strengths of our quarterback. And so rather than playing a style of offense that's built on intermediate to deep routes, looking for big plays down the field, that was basically thrown out the window. We're going to get creative with motion in the backfield. We're going to get the ball in Tucker's hands on easy pitches. We're going to you know use our running game and we're going to make sure that Desmond has the freedom to improvise and break free and, and even use his feet in design plays so I thought that the way they took a step back, went went more simple in terms of their offensive structure, in terms of making it easier for him to find short throws. I think that played a huge role in getting Des back on track and putting to bed the conversation about should he be the starting football quarterback, starting quarterback for the Bearcats football team.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that is concerning though, in my mind, from Desmond Ritter is the is the lack of, of the ability to, to throw any kind of deep ball um uh, and like you said they clearly threw the game plan out the window of hey let's let's try to throw some deep deep passes let's let's actually stick to his strengths and it worked um uh, you know and i don't know how how that's going to translate into other game plans or strategies from other other teams because as we know before the strategy literally was to force them to throw the ball deep as probably tried that and they obviously failed miserably at it um but we also pounded the ball with running backs too. Um, you know, we only, you know, we had 21 attempted passes, 13 caught, but we ran the ball 35 times, including, including Desmond Ritter. If you take out, out his 91 yard run, he still had a fantastic day. Using his legs to, to create confusion on, on the, for the defensive side of the ball for SMU. It, it, it just still in my mind is, is a little concerning um as we're moving forward and we're playing you know just as tough teams or just as tough competition you know is Desmond Ritter is this going to be the game plan or is is that still something that maybe this was a confidence play for him it's a confidence booster you're getting the you know get him back into a rhythm get him back into let's get some you know high percentage passes completed let's not turn the ball over and let's let's let uh, our legs do the work there because When you look at the rest of it, we had 313 yards and if we take out the outlier. We had, you know, 200 yards of rushing without without that 91 uh, yard dash by by Ritter. Yeah. So I still think there's maybe some level of concern there because this game should have been closer than what it was. Um, that's well, that's something I think we can we can touch on before we move on to another exciting point. Well, we can we can do that. We
0: can dive into whether the game should have been closer than 42-13. two thirteen. I'd probably argue that the the score played out in terms of in terms of the level to which the Bearcats dominated. I think the score accurately reflects that. Now, in terms of Ritter's, maybe I'm, it might be unfair to call it inability to hit on the deep ball. I would call it inconsistency in hitting downfield. Will that bite the Bearcats? It's all about context.
1: We're not playing my question, but
0: but we're not playing the premier defenses of college football game in game out right now. The American athletic conference, when you look at it across the board, there's, there's two above average defenses in the conference. There's the Bearcats and there's Tulsa outside of that. Nobody's playing defense right now. Houston's not going to stop you. Tulane's not going to stop you. Uh, UCF at this point is not going to stop you. These are not teams that you're overly concerned with in terms of, you know, shutting down your offense and and making you go to your weakness. Now, Tulsa is certainly going to present an interesting wrinkle on that front. And other teams down the line in bowl games could potentially present that wrinkle. I'm not so concerned about the passing, the passing game. I still think there's opportunities for the offensive line play to improve. I'm an untrained eye. I'm not going to sit here and dive into the the run blocking concepts. I just noticed that at times there's inconsistency in terms of what we're creating for our running backs. There's times I don't think we're getting consistent enough big time production in our running game. Now in this game, as the game pl- played on or, or went on, you know we got over 120 yards on two carries from Dokes and Ritter toward the end of the game. So that's going to certainly drive uh, up your yards per carry. It's going to inflate how the numbers look. I think it's critical. That we're getting we're we're seeing success in our running game long term. I think if we can find a way to be a consistent running team, and and Des using his legs makes us a more consistent running team. Dokes is not going to be, you know, an all-world running back for the Bearcats, nor, nor should he be expected to. But if you incorporate Des Ritter more, more consistently as a running option in the Bearcats offense, I think you're going to see us be a more reliable running threat, which is just going to make the passing game that much easier.
1: I mean, well said, the running game, you can't, you can't argue with the, with basically the results. I think that we saw, you know, even if you're, you want to say dokes long run is an outlier, I think 35, 35, yards on a run is enough to, to include that and not, and not look at it as an outlier, you know? So 2020 20 carries 105 yards, you know, that's, that's a solid number it's a solid number i think the offensive line um, actually did i think they did a really good job um you know we also basically held SMU's defense to where they they weren't really playing it um uh, but you know th- uh three tackles for loss so they weren't getting in, penetrating into the backfield we had zero they had zero uh, qB hurries and zero sacks there was no pressure. There was zero pressure in the backfield all day we had we were basically imposing our will on offense I where i was thinking that the game should have been closer in that context was more along the lines if we did have some football issues
0: real quick though you're not going to get pressure on a team that's throwing quick routes and is making quick decisions with the ball and i think that's part of the strategy is hey if our offensive line is not a strength of the team in pass blocking or run blocking for that matter i mean it's improved from last year I'm, I'm not going to call it yet a strength of the Bearcats. If that's the case, quicker routes, quicker decisions, getting the ball out faster. We're not going to see teams dominate our offensive line as consistently.
1: Fair. Well, I, so I think the issues that we that we see, you know, because for there, there, it's hard to find a lot of stuff that you could say was was bad. You know, I feel like I'm trying to, you know, really find a crack here and just say, well, this You're trying
0: to put out the fire, baby team's on fire there's nothing but, there,
1: but celebration happening right now right so we're celebrating the fact that desmond ritter had a qb rating of 97 you know we're celebrating the fact that desmond ritter completed you know 13 of his 21 passes we're celebrating that he had uh 179 yards touchdowns. rushing. <laughs> we're celebrating that because at the end of the day when you have a quarterback who can run the ball like that that makes it very, very, very challenging for the opposing defenses to plan for that. Yeah exactly. there's, there's so many options that get opened up when you when you have that and that's where like, even in the NFL, you know Cam Newton at times was so dangerous because of his ability to do that. Um, not necessarily maybe today's game. Um, but, but you know Pete, Pete cam Newton was was a monster because he could throw the ball and he could run the ball. Well, that's where football's moving, right? Like that's that's where mm -hmm. football is, is you want your quarterback to be
0: dual threat. You want the option of running with the ball because the more options you have to beat a team, the harder you are to defend. So by having Ritter on the field, one of his greatest strengths is his ability to run the ball. And we just saw it is the thing about his running in that game against SMU was it was always at the perfect time. It was always the perfect decision. There were obviously designed runs in there. His 91 yard dash obviously was a design run. He, he decided he had an option to hand it off, kept the ball, boom, beat beat the whole team downfield. It's the it's the moments of improvisation though where he just he he did it at the most perfect moments where rather than taking a sack for a loss, rather than making a, a rush decision to throw the ball and potentially turning it over or having the ball deflected and, and intercepted and intercepted he kept the ball, tucked it, ran, gained positive yards for the Bearcats, even in situations where it was only a few yards. His scampers always were the right call, and always kept the Bearcats moving forward. made it made it a more manageable third down. I mean, it just it was really a masterful performance from Ritter at a time when he needed it most because of the pressure he was feeling, probably from his coaching staff, but certainly the fans as well. And uh, it couldn't have been a better, more impressive performance from him.
1: Oh, I mean, it could have been, he could have just been the one man show, the whole offense, you know, need no one else apply for positions on the offense. <laughs> um, no, he did. He did I would great. Say the he whole, was. The whole,
0: I would say that's what he was in this game. He was the national offensive player of the week in college football.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's huge numbers. Eight carries 179 yards. You, you busted out a, his showed, showed his speed on a 91, 91 yard, uh, you know, kind of end around run. I mean, he's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, but we also had great supporting cast in, in uh, dokes. I mean, 20, 20 carries 105 yards, two touchdowns himself. Um, he's, he's showing up now and, and showing you, Hey, I'm here. Uh, even with the receivers, we had so many different people catch the ball for There's we so only had many weapons time. on this team. So many weapons so many weapons and we had, uh, I think it's eight different players catch 13 passes. Um, So that's an incredible amount of distribution for in what's really to be fair is very few actual pass passes. Can um, I tell you, you can know. I
0: tell you my favorite option right now in offense, the guy that every game they're finding creative ways to get him the ball and, and he's delivering nonstop. He gets open. He even got open on a, on a 13 yard third and 13 uh, completion in the first half. Trey Tucker is dynamite with the ball. And I love that the coaching staff is finding ways to get him that ball easily, right? Like that 13 yard or that, that third and 13 completion was obviously a little bit unorthodox given what we've seen so far, but those quick, you know, pre pre snap motions that he's doing, getting him the ball in open space, dynamite player. I expect that he's going to continue being featured moving forward. He's just one of my favorites right now to watch on the team.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot, I think, to be excited about from a, from a receiver perspective. And it's 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 almost a shame we don't get to um, showcase them more, uh, you know, the, because we are such a run-heavy team. Now, when we look at the the distribution of plays, it's it's about 60% are our, our designed rushes compared to 40% being designed passes. And, you know, that's what fits the mold of this team. That's our identity. We are rushing and we are defense. Uh, you pointed out as much as I would like to see Desmond Ritter be able to hit the deep ball, you know, if that's the case, he's probably looking at a very, very strong NFL career, um, <laughs> as, as, uh, you know, as a, as a really high top, top traffic. Um, but, but that being said with his tool set, it makes sense that we are, are leading, we lean towards the run. But at the same time, having all these, having all these different options for the passing game, it just keeps defenses guessing. And that's the key to the success of the Bearcats is keeping the defense guessing. Don't, you you don't, when they know what we're going to do, that's what's going to defeat us. And so if they never know what we're doing, it's, it's, that's what, that's where, that's where we're going to find success. That's where I think we found a lot of success in this game. They really didn't know what, what we were doing. SMU had just a hard time. Um, when i think the game could have been closer if we're looking at that that negative uh, the kind of the negative spotlight we did have a couple of fumbles but mainly smu at the end uh you know, the the i think it was the second second quarter had a very bad time <laughs> mismanagement mishap uh where essentially they had to settle for a field goal as opposed to you know, using two timeouts to try to actually score a touchdown. So they they lost some five points on, on that.
0: That was a pretty stunning. That was a Um, pretty stunning uh, falter on the SMU side. I mean, I think we were all thankful for the gift. It was a, it was the one time in the game at, at a moment when SMU was having some success moving on our defense and they, they didn't finish the drive and it changed the dynamic of the half. You know, I still think that a lot of folks were disappointed in the second quarter overall, but it was a testament our defense to our defense. Our, our defense is who we haven't talked about much so far. We should get into it. It's such an advantage to have a defense that can play and deliver on this level against this type of offensive team.
1: And it's not just that. Uh... Well, I mean, it is that, that's, that, that is the whole point, having an advantage on defense. Look at how many people get involved on defense. The list is too long to list every single person who had a tackle on this team. Someone who is, this. the whole team gets involved when it comes to, to stopping opposing players. You know, the list is almost twice as long compared to that for, for SMU. They're, they're really reliant on a few people to make stops. Not only do we have, uh, you know, incredible talent in, in Gerald White being able to, there's death, and we, but we do have those incredible studs. this the star power uh, on, on the defense, but we have a lot of contributors who, who are just doing their jobs. They're, they're in the right place. They're working as a unit. They're being a team. They're They're being everything that you have ever heard from a cliche come out of any coach's mouth. <laughs> That's what they're doing. And it's it's incredible that this is and you mentioned as before. It's getting looked at nationally as potentially one of the best defenses in the country, and that's what's getting us into that playoff conversation. That right now is is our defense is really what's lifting us into that. It's
0: it's funny that our defense is is the unit that won us the game this week. You know, I, for for everything Ritter did, the fact that our defense came out and held SMU to thirteen points is probably the story of the game, frankly. I mean, you, you're going to win a lot of games in, in today's college football if your defense is holding the opponent to 13. Um, it's just interesting, the timing, though, because Nick Saban actually came out and, and essentially said that in, in terms of how college football has changed and, and and moved, he's had to change his mentality about defense being the unit that's going to win you a national championship. And instead realizing, you know, it's, it's the offense that drives the machine at this point. And uh, given that he's putting much more emphasis on having, you know, a monster offense. And so you have Alabama throwing the ball all over the field, you know, starting with Tua last year and now uh, Mac Jones, in terms of how he's running the offense. Now that's a team that historically has been dominant and made their name on defense, but he saw the changing tide in, in the game. Luke Fickle is kind of proving the opposite right now. Luke Fickle, in terms of what he's doing in the American Athletic, is saying, "We have a defense where, when everyone's zigging to be a a fast-paced air raid offense, we're going to play that old school football. We're going to be a ground and pound team. We're going to, you know, take clock. We're going to keep the ball. We're going to run it down your throat. And then when you get the ball, we're smash mouth. We're going to be hitting you hard. We're going to be filling gap uh, gaps in the lane." we're going to smack you in the face. Uh this team is is old school in its approach, but it's working. And it's hard to see it not working, honestly. If the Bearcats don't turn the ball over, if they if they don't make those just avoidable mistakes, play safe on offense, move the ball fairly consistently and then play the smash mouth defensive football they they're accustomed to, it's going to be hard to beat us. It's really it's really hard to see at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, we limited to SMU to one touchdown on five, five trips to the red zone. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. Um, you know, that SMU had opportunities to score and we shut them down. Um, that's, that is a, a huge testament. And that's kind of where I was actually pretty nervous going into this game, believe it or not, because I've, as you've mentioned that the shifting tides in college football have been historically that the advantage goes to the great offense versus the great defense. Um, And that's where this was kind of like a little eye opening in a sense of like, okay, our defense isn't just good. You know, our defense isn't just great. It's, It's to the point where you can say our defense is elite. Uh, you know, we are going to be able to compete in the highest levels of college football and not just in this, in this group of five. So I think it's time if you're not already or or haven't been, it's time to get very excited about this upcoming schedule. Uh, you know, I'm one very thankful that it's not a week schedule. I'm so happy that every game is going to be a grind, that every game is going to be a well-earned victory because that's what we're going to need when it really comes down to if if we're looking at playing Tulsa uh with as an undefeated unit uh getting us into the playoffs. We're we're going to sell that and it's also time to start rooting for the other members of our conference <laughs> to to play be playing quality football to be winning the games that they're supposed to be winning. So we want to see, you know, the Memphis is winning. We want to be able to see, you know, Tulsa continue continue to improve. We want to see that will, you know, grind out, you know, the rest of their schedule. We want to see these teams do well um, because at the end of the day, we're going to need all the help we can get. I guess let's face it. The committee is definitely probably putting in a one loss Ohio state team over an undefeated Cincinnati team simply because of the brand.
0: (laughs) No doubt. I mean, it's, there's a long way to go before we really have to work out the details of, of the playoff conversation I'm I'm super happy that we're trending in that direction of even being there at this point. And it's, it's big for the program overall to have that type of stature. Um, but we joked with Damon last week when we previewed the SMU game that, Hey, you guys get through the Bearcats. You'll be, you'll be talking playoff because that schedule looks mighty, mighty, nice mighty cake after this, this SMU win, which is 42 13 could turn into beating a one loss SMU team 42 13. They don't have much left on their on their schedule to impress. So, you know, in terms of perception and what it, what a win actually looks like, this is an SMU team that may turn in and, and finish the season as a top 25 team in the country. It's just – it's a, it's an awesome mark to have on your resume to have this type of victory on the road and this type of matchup, and uh, it's going to serve us well going forward. I, I don't think – well, I should have mentioned real quick, Homer, you mentioned the, the tackle volume of Jarrell White and just how he was all over the field. Sometimes in football, you see these guys who have these volumes of tackle and, and volumes of tackles, and it doesn't necessarily translate to what you're seeing. You know, you don't necessarily see their impact as the game is going on. That is not the case with White. That guy is oh, yeah. all over the field on every single ninety uh when the Bearcats are playing. It's an un- just an unreal start to the season for him, and he's clearly the driving force of what we've been doing on the
1: football field. Ninety percent of ninety percent—I don't know if this is the accurate stat. So, if someone do the math for me, you know, it seems like ninety percent of his tackles are solo. You know, that he's getting to the he's getting to the runner first. He's wrapping him up. Ultimately, the one bringing him down. Um, so he's he's a force. um But we have a lot of players. Like I said, the defense is just so deep. It's so stacked. Um, oh, well, there was like, a play. There was a
0: play in that game where Bentley. Broke free, you know, broke through that initial line of defense, was at about the first down marker, and there's one man. It was kind of a one-on-one moment with him and Jarrell White. White didn't just tackle him. He truck stick him backwards. He moved multiple <laughs> yards backwards. And it was just, you know, the guy has been absolutely solid for us. Uh, need him to stay healthy. There was a moment there in the game where, he, you know, probably cramping up. A lot of folks struggling with cramps. I suppose it was the long layoff, but – yeah, he's, he's definitely the driving force of this team, and then the secondary obviously speaks for itself.
1: I think you're right. And then while we're talking about some some other quality opponents, uh, Army on our schedule is also still a one loss squad. Um, they've recently moved back into the graces of the coaches' poll, uh, sitting at the bottom of twenty five. Uh, oddly enough i don't even think they, they got votes or i think they, they got 44 votes in the ap poll so they're they're sitting at about 29 on the on the a uh on the ap top 25 so by the time this season's over there is i think a potential possibility that we're looking at that we have had four top 25 teams on our schedule that that we have thoroughly and just utterly destroyed
0: well, we've got another tough matchup coming up this week when Memphis comes to town. Uh, 12 p.m. game on Halloween. Right now, the, the opening line has the Bearcats as a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Memphis. But as everyone is well aware, Memphis beat us twice last season. Different coaching staff, different players. Memphis has av- obviously been a team affected by COVID in terms of the players they've had back out of this season. But nonetheless, it should be a, a tough matchup for the Bearcats, another good test for us this season. And and that's the next challenge. Hammer, I've made it a habit this season of going on my soapbox uh, so far this season. I do want to hop on that soapbox here for a minute and just, and it's going to be about institutional infrastructure. And the reason I want to talk about that is Des Ritter opens the season as our starting quarterback. He started the previous two seasons, um, not necessarily the most dynamic start to a career, but certainly a winning record. Uh, Obviously, a quarterback you associate with winning football at Cincinnati and starts off the season slow, has turnovers, has uh, some struggle with struggles with accuracy. And it just seems like, you know, he's not taking the leap that we as a fan base have expected uh, or maybe put on him. And it's frustrating. It's disappointing. It's it's maddening at times. But where institutional infrastructure comes into play is when you have a coaching staff led by a coach like Luke Fickle, uh, the best coach in the city of Cincinnati, uh, as you see floating around Twitter here, that's, that's a situation where you need to trust, we need to trust Luke Fickle. We need to trust our coaching staff that they are developing, not just developing, but putting our players in positions to be successful. And so when the struggles happen, and these are struggles that are happening in the context of wins. We're undefeated. We've won these games handedly against Army, Austin P and South Florida at this point. We as a fan base need to trust the leaders that we love. Trust Luke Fickle, trust Marcus Freeman. trust trust Denbrock, however hard that may be, but we need to trust that they are going to put and put Des in a position to succeed and Des is going to put in the work to dominate. And that's exactly what happened. So I think what we need to remember and keep in mind is that the reason we weren't we're not we're not calling for Ritter to be benched after some early season struggles is that we know Luke Fickle brings to the table. We know that they're gonna figure this out, we know that they're gonna put him in a position to succeed. And as a fan base, it's a luxury for us that we can sit back, relax, and trust this institutional infrastructure.
1: So uh, I'll give you a, a fun soapbox here, or not even a soapbox. Uh, I'm just looking on ESPN and the AP top four, top twenty-five, and it says others receiving votes. I just want you to bear with me here. Memphis, one hundred and five. Liberty, eighty-five. Tulane, eighty. Um, do the AP writers like? Do they know? They know Tulane has zero wins in the conference and they've won two games this year
0: (laughs) (laughs) they are are putting up Uh, points I'll say that for Tulane their offense is on in fuego
1: yeah but at the end of the day uh that's a bit ridiculous that you're sitting there I guess technically at number 28 in the AP rankings if you're Tulane (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's hilarious Hey, I'll take any any recognition for the American athletic I can get at this point, but obviously it's a fantastic week to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Uh, This was a a tremendous football game to be watching live, honestly, surreal. I mean, the the way they dominated this game was, was something else. Never a doubt, frankly. Um, So anything else to really add about this game that we just watched? Um
1: no <laughs> <laughs> well look no reason to drag it out longer it's, than- it's it's fun it's weird because like it's a win and it's almost harder to talk about a win than there's a loss because in a win like this where it seemed like you did almost everything in your power to to win this game and do it well um you know there, there's not much that you're you're, you're you're struggling to find things you're, you're, you're grasping at straws to find things that, that to improve. And, you know, from the untrained eye, you know, I'm sure fickles watching game tape being like, we need to do this better. We need to do that better. Um, but this was a, a tremendous uh, group win. You know, you mentioned that the defense won us this game, but at the same time, you know, the offense won us this game because we put up 40, what was it? I forget 42. the final score, 42, 42 points. points. Uh, we, we've done more than our average on the season uh, you know, by, by, uh, almost a whole score uh, for our average, uh, scoring for the season. And frankly, that's something we were worried about is if this game turned into a shootout, would we be able to keep up? And the answer here is yes, we would have been able to keep up, had the defense not have shown up and this had been a shootout, you know? So I think the, the silver lining is here is the defense did their job, but the offense showed up and did theirs as well. And so if these two are matching throughout the rest of the season, this is a very, it's going to be a very incredible uh, season. It's going to be a very hard team to knock out.
0: We look uh, like a legitimate top 10 college football team. That's how we looked in this game. We looked like a legitimate top 10 college football team. That's awesome. Um, I will say that maybe the cherry on top to our episode today is that as the Bearcats knock off SMU 42, 13 moving to seventh in the coaches and AP polls, Michigan State, the Big Ten program that Luke Fickle chose to say no to, lost to Rutgers 38-27 in their first game of the season. To that I say, sucks to be you. Hummer, (laughs) let's leave it at that, buddy. We have a Bearcat basketball preview episode coming up later this week. Excited to get into that. Obviously, we love basketball around here.
1: I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am, and I think that the this this group of basketball, uh, this team that that Brandon has assembled, they're not going to have these high lofty expectations from everybody else. But I'm not going to lie; I expect great things from this team. I I expect it's going to be a fun season. I cannot wait to dig in to this pre- these preview episodes. I cannot wait for first tip off. Uh, I am pumped about this season. I'm pumped about, this is going to sound super weird. I'm pumped about being the underdog in basketball.
0: Me as well. It's a very fun roster. We have lots of different options, lots of different ways it can go. Uh, but we'll get into that during our basketball preview. Hummer's right. We're going to do some fun things with the preview this season. Looking forward to it. Hummer, let's leave it there, buddy. Uh, Bearcats, again, ranked seventh in the country.
1: It's gold. This one goes out to, uh, Tony Pike, Tony Pike in the, the city of Reading. You know, <laughs> last time we had a, a team in the top five or in the top 10, we were, we were led by, by Mr. Tony Pike, um, hopefully we don't need his backup. Um, so hopefully we're not toasting to his backup next weekend. Uh, you know, we want to see a healthy Desmond Ritter throughout the season. Shout out to
0: Tony Pike.
1: Cheers.